Chris Aiken presents, and I, of course, am Chris Aiken, and I am super happy to be talking to this guy once again. Um, he's, uh, you certainly know him. If you if you watch this show, you certainly know him. You certainly know him from Whitesnake. You probably know him from TSO. Some of you might know him from Cher, for God's sakes. I mean, he's he's been everywhere. He's now back with a new band called Iconic. Uh, they have a release coming out June 17th called Second Skin. He is the guitarist of that band and damn near every band that you've heard of late. He is Joel Holkstra. Joel, how are you, man? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for taking the time out. Sure, man. Well, it's it's great to talk to you, man. And it's great to talk to you about this new project that's um I, I'm assuming this is this is from the magical, magical pot of bands that Serafino over at Frontiers seems to always put together. Well, why don't we start there, man? Talk a little bit about Iconic, what it is, and how this project came to be. Uh, yeah, so, well, I, I mean, I could probably just start at how, how it came together, and then people will kind of figure out who's in it. But, sure. uh, yeah, I, I was approached by Frontiers about doing a project uh, with Nathan James, who sings for a band called Inglorious, and I think their objective was to surround Nathan with uh, a group of classic rock musicians, and um, they had the idea uh, of Michael Sweet and I um, first being in the band, and Michael and I had always talked about doing a project together or wanting to put something out together, so that kind of was a natural fit, and um, that seemed to makes sense. I mean, I I, uh, I thought, well, I didn't really picture this being, you know, doing something with you with another lead singer, but Nathan's sure. great. And I co-written with Nathan for a couple of the Inglorious albums, uh, a couple of the tracks. And Michael and I, of course, had co-written. So um, that seemed like it would, would be, a, you know, a very natural um, progression of things to do this project. And um, then... I just kind of as a surprise, they uh, ended up adding my bandmate Tommy Aldridge on drums, sure. um, and uh, and then also a White Snake alumni, uh, Marco Mendoza on bass. So um, Tommy and Marco really enjoy playing with each other as a rhythm section. Um, so uh, lo and behold, we have this uh, this project here called Iconic um, that that Frontiers uh, assembled, as you said. Um, so, uh, you know, it's it's a throwback, as people would expect, you know. Um, it's kind of um, 1980s rock done in a 2020 way. You know, obviously the sure. production is up and doesn't really sound uh, exactly like things were produced in the 80s, but certainly has a lot of elements of, of that era and, and uh, bands that we liked. And, um, yeah, uh, there you go. That's how it came together. Sure. Now, now, Joel, when you work on a project like this or in a band like this, you know, the, the hardest thing is the chemistry. It's always, you know, it's one thing to put names together and put talent together. It's another thing to make that work. So how, how especially in this kind of a project where obviously you do a lot of writing for yourself with your, with your you know, solo band with 13, Michael Sweet does a lot of stuff you know, writing for himself. Nathan does a lot of stuff writing for himself. How do you mesh the styles and the the skills all together without people wanting to put their stamp on it more than the next guy? Um, 
Well, I mean, you just kind of listen to who's producing it. So um, Michael Sweet and uh, Alessandro Del Vecchio co-produced it. So um, the thought was we wanted to have it be collaborative. Um, Michael had the idea of me doing what he did with George Lynch in Sweet Lynch. um, Of basically what he had done with George was um, George sent him guitar riffs unarranged. So kind of like, mm-hmm. hey, here's here's a riff and this and they would fit in the same tempo and sure. become the same song eventually. But so what I did was I, I just compiled riffs that were along the line that we were looking for. Melodic hard rock, you know, very uh, 80s in nature. And uh, Michael kind of put them in song form. And then Nathan and Alessandro um, basically were the two that had worked on the lyrics and the vocal melodies for this. So basically, I contributed guitar riffs. I mean, most of the guitar riffs you hear are mine. Now, if there was something that Mike put in a song form where he thought it would be nice if there was another section or it would be nice if this didn't happen as often as, you know, maybe I, I was maybe I was picturing a certain section as a chorus or something and he would hear it as a verse. So things like that. So, um, you know, it, it's collaborative, but also, like you said, it kept it from being anybody, any single person writing all the material and saying, this is how it's going to go. Sure. Now you mentioned Alessandro, who's one of my favorite people in the world, as well as one of the most fascinating people in the world. The, this guy is a machine. The the amount of work that he does the, with his bands, with with you, with basically every band that is on Frontiers, he's either writing or producing or both or playing keys or, you know, I mean, this guy is amazing. Talk a little bit about the work that he does, because what surprises me the most is that everything doesn't sound exactly the same from this one guy that puts out so much music. He really is diverse even though he's working all the time. Yeah, he's, he's a very talented, hardworking guy. Um, so basically, once Michael sent him the rough idea of the song for him, Alessandro is really the one then to uh, be able to program drums and, and give a rough form of all the instruments performing a song, essentially demo the songs for everybody. Sure. Um, including singing his vocal melodies and lyrics that he's written. And um, so, yeah, for him to put that together for us definitely expedites the process. You get a a demo, a rough idea of a song, and then our job is to kind of recreate, but also put our interpretation um, into those when we get them. So um, rather than follow everything note for note, you know, so yeah, I mean, Michael and I did the the guitar rhythms together. We did a lot of harmony leads on this too, which I think people dig. And uh, I did the bulk of the lead playing, but there's a couple songs where we kind of trade off, you know, okay. like Iron Maiden or Scorpion style, sure. or go back and forth between the two lead guitarists. And um, there are a couple songs like that as well with the lead vocals, um, where Nathan and Michael trade um, rather than just having Michael sing background vocals. So. Um, you know, it ended up uh, it ended up really, I guess, a product of all of that. I mean, as people can know what to expect a little bit now from the description. So it's collaborative. You get to hear Michael do his thing. Um, it, sure. It's it's not. I had obviously when Michael and I talked about doing something together, I pictured all right, Michael will sing all the leads and right and play and you know play uh, 
play morley guitar or whatever but you know um it, his production shines through in this too i think you know which is an important aspect um for people to remember so um he's uh, he played a very integral role in in the sound of the, the project no question well just a, as a side note joel and this is just a fascination that i have with your career You've obviously been in in several bands that are two guitar set: White Snake, Night Ranger, TSO, you know, etc. You you've you've done that. Now every guitar player that I know, and I'm sure including yourself, wants to be the guitar player. They want to be the man, and yet you found a way to to be, you know a rhythm player when needed and a lead player when needed. And I, and I'm assuming that that comes, the fact that you keep getting these gigs means that you're not, you don't have the big ego like most guitar players do to, to have the need to be that guy. So I'm curious for you, how do you balance that in, in your own head to be okay to be part of a team instead of ever jumping out to be the man in the band? Um, yeah, I, you know, to be honest, that's never in my mind, um, thinking about being like the only guitar player in a band or something like that. I always really enjoyed being a part of a two guitar lineup. That's been all the way, all the way back to my very first band at okay. guitar player. So I'm very comfortable with that. And, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe it's just not my personality. Sure. Uh, to, to say like I want to do all the guitars now I did end up playing the majority of the leads on this and and I would have been fine if Michael wanted to take more that was really their decision sure. and to have me play um, a lot of the leads so um, yeah I don't know I you know man I just I do things as they come and um, I mean it's nice of you to say but I you know I I just consider it like part of just being a, a good musician I guess more than sure. <clears throat> than saying I'm, uh, I don't have a big ego or self-deprecating. I mean, I think you know I'm a, I'm a, I'm a realist. <laughs> so. Well, you you say that, but then if if anybody has listened to the Hoekstra Thirteen records, they obviously know you could you could easily lead a band if you wanted to. You know, I, I mean, you and, and and I guess in a way you do because you play the leads when necessary, whether it's in White Snake or Night Ranger or whomever. You know, it just it's. Look, I've interviewed a thousand musicians and 999 of them that are guitar players want to be the George Lynch, the Eddie Van Halen, the, you know, <laughs> that's just how it is with that instrument. But it, it's cool that you're, that you're comfortable with that, that, you know, because yeah, it, it, that's yeah. rare. Like I said, I, I guess I'm probably, uh, I'm really comfortable with the two guitar thing. It's, it's always been that way for me in my life, you know, sure. with, at least with the rock bands I've been a part of, it's always been pretty much a two guitar thing. And, um, you know, I love harmony leads as much as, as the next, uh, guy, you know, the sure. rock fans out there. So, yeah, I mean, you mentioned Joel Hooks 13. That gives me an opportunity to be the guy who writes all the lyrics and the melodies and, um, does all the solos and all that stuff. I suppose that's an outlet, um, for me for that to, sure. um, but also, I, I kind of view that project more as about the, the songs than necessarily the leads. I know right. myself like three minutes solos in every song on there and stuff like that. Sure. I just want to give people like a good taste of <clears throat> straightforward rock and, and more about the songs with that. Um, right. 
So yeah, every project's different in terms of what level of involvement and what level of um, say so uh, you're going to have, or you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this is cool. I mean, I I, I would have been less happy had it been one person saying this is exactly how everything is going to go. Right. So the fact that I got to contribute really almost all the guitar riffs is cool for me, and at least to know that hey, I'm comfortable going in and playing it. I don't feel like I'm just you know, playing somebody else's riffs the entire time. And obviously I'm playing my own leads. So sure. I very much feel like I get to play like myself in it. Perfect. Well, dude, let's talk, let's move back to iconic for a minute. The, um, obviously the first single is out there as both a single and a video for the song, nowhere to run a great tune. Uh, how was, how was that song chosen? And are you comfortable with that as the, the first taste that you're giving people of a, of a brand new band? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm cool with it. The label, I think probably picked the, the single. Um, I, <laughs> there wasn't any, any discussion via email about which song do you guys think should be the first one. So okay. you know, the label picked the singles and, um, yeah, I'm cool with it. I think it's probably one of my more, uh, laid back melodic solos on the record where it's, sure. I'm just kind of playing a melody for the solo and maybe shred a touch at the end. So it's one of the least uh, flamboyant of the solos that I probably laid down on the record, but uh, all in all, that's that's fine by me, man. It's all about the song, you know. No question, and it does. Uh, you know, we're showing a little bit of the video right here. It, it it obviously looks like you guys had a lot of fun in a very dark room. That's the one thing you know. You guys are all kind of up guys, and this is like one of the more dark videos I think I I've seen. I didn't expect that. Yeah, we, we went out to L.A. Uh, for a couple days and um, shot a couple videos for it. So uh, we had a good time together. I, like I said, I, I think, you know, despite it being a new project or band or whatever we're going to call it, um, it, it felt very natural because I'd worked with everybody. Nathan and I knew each other not only from the co-writes, but from Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Nathan was sure. with uh, the West Band for a while so we'd see each other in rehearsals every year and uh, michael and i've been working together for years and been friends for years um you know he's one of the nicest hardest working guys in rock and um marco and i know each other really from being on the road together he was with the dead daisies uh, when we did a whole long run with white snake and so we'd fly together on the plane every day and uh, so you know and tommy and i know we've working together the last eight years or so so uh, I really, it was, you know, despite the fact of being new, it was kind of like, I know everybody here. So it was sure. a bunch of friends getting together to do this. Sure. No question. Now, I, I know it, it's probably too early to tell, and especially post right after the pandemic where every band in the world is out on tour. But do you think that there's any chance that you'll, you guys will be able to work your schedules in some way, even to maybe not to tour, but maybe to play? you know, a couple of shows or a show here and there just to kind of showcase the band? Uh, I mean, I'm up for it. I have a really busy year ahead. I mean, we just wrapped uh, Whitesnake rehearsals here in L.A. and are starting the farewell tour. So we're headed over to Ireland here shortly. Um, And uh, we're going to do Ireland in the U.K. uh, with with Foreigner. Right. And uh, and Europe, the band Europe. And then we're going to tour Europe um, with the band Europe. And okay. uh, we're going to have, uh, I think, a couple shows along the way, maybe in there with Kiss and with Steel Panther and some fun little 
variations um, on that. And there's some U.S. dates um, that are yet to be announced, I think. But, uh, you know, obviously we wouldn't do a farewell tour without playing the U.S. And, sure. Um, we're going to try and hit all the territories that we would hit on a, on a normal tour to be able to give David an opportunity to say uh, bye to everybody. So a uh, busy year. And then I'd go from that straight into TSO. Okay. Right. Um, so, yeah. so busy year ahead, but you know, there's always windows and you know, my philosophy has always been to work hard and um, try to be productive every day. So I'm totally willing to get out and um, support it. If, uh, you know, if the, the time is there, then absolutely. Sure. Now, now, Joel, um, certainly, you know, as you were just mentioning, and it's not any secret, White Snake is winding down. You know, it, it's obviously going to end here sooner than later. Um, do you do? I, I mean, obviously, you have TSO, but um, and you have Joel Holkstra 13. But do you think ahead like that to trying to figure out what am I going to do next? What's the next permanent thing? Or do you just kind of wait and see how the chips fall and let it play out yeah not not really i mean I, i'm kind of a work hard guy and see where it all leads okay um, so yeah I, i'm not i'm not too worried about it i mean i think that the white snake thing easily is going to um go into 2023 okay so when you're at a point in early 22 and you're going like you know i can kind of see the next couple years mapped out roughly in terms of um having the ability to be out there then you know, I, there's no reason to get in a panic about it or, or um, get too worried about it. So, like I said, I just kind of keep working hard and then you never know. I mean, yeah. if, uh, you just there, there's no telling, especially nowadays. I mean, COVID really like brought that mindset around for musicians where it's like you just never know what to expect. You know, we all sure. go on tour and you feel like, well, I don't know, we could spend any time sitting out or, or having it you know, go away. So who, who the heck knows, man, you know, right. I just try to make sure I'm staying productive and handling the things I can control. Right. Certainly, man. And, and yeah, after the last two years, I mean, <laughs> it's hard to determine even what you can control these days, you know, it's just craziness, but you know, speaking of the COVID thing, and I do not want to get into a whole COVID boring, awful, depressing thing, but now that it's dying down somewhat, or at least it seems to be where you can get back out and play some shows again and, you know, tour again and those things. Do you feel like as a musician that you, you just got to kind of pick up where you left it and do what you've always done? Or do you feel like since you lost those two years, kind of, that you almost have to do more to make up for the lost time that you, you know, couldn't go out and show off your craft? Uh, I, I was extraordinarily busy the last two years. I mean, okay. I did, definitely did not take any time off. I felt almost more busy because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I taught virtually, uh, 30 students a week and, and took on doing cameos and, and doing the quarantine collaboration videos with everybody, you know, with Dino, um, obviously mm -hmm. Mike Portnoy and Dino sure. and I did, uh, uh Jane and right. I did Stormbringer with Dino and, and Tony Franklin and Virgil Donati and um, Abracadabra with Arnell Pineda and Billy Sheehan. That's and right, so, yeah. I mean, I, I was really always going and doing ended up doing a lot of sessions for people. Everybody seemed to be recording and having right. for me to maybe play a solo on a song on their album. And, um, so 
I stayed really busy. And like I said, that's that's kind of always the mindset more than anything. And I a lot of the stuff I'm kind of taking with me and from that era still, like even out here with White Sink during rehearsals, I've been teaching a couple lessons every night when I'm done with rehearsals. Okay. And so if anything, maybe, um, you know, try and turn a negative into a positive. Sure. Like, hey, you know, you, you find some things that worked and like, gee, gee I should have been doing that all along is more no. the mindset like why wasn't i doing that over the last x amount of years so um yeah i i stayed busy and like i said you never know where all that takes you uh, there's some of the things in my career i feel like make a lot of sense and there's other times you end up doing stuff that are just these beautiful surprises that life kind of sure. presents for you you know where the broadway thing always stands out for me doing rock of ages and, right um, that really that changed my life for the better in a major way um, that that, you know, six, um, six and a half years or something that that um, ran on Broadway. And, and uh, you know, you mentioned earlier in the interview playing with Cher. That's something I never would have seen coming. Right. Um, so yeah, sometimes life brings these things to you where you're like, really? I get well, I get to do it because no, right. I, I want to do a good job and, and see where it all takes me. Sure. You know, you mentioned the share, the share gigs, and I'm always fascinated when you guys that are quote unquote metal guys, you know, end up doing these pop things. And I'll point to you and I'll point to like Nuno. Nuno was out with Rihanna for a while or yeah, Rihanna, whatever her name is. Rihanna. Yeah. Rihanna, yeah. Yeah. He, he was out doing that and that just, you know, to us metal guys, that seems odd, but I think, I, I think, and I'd asking you to kind of clarify it. It really just boils down to, for you guys, the ability to showcase something that you probably don't get to showcase at any other time. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, I, I had a path that was such that when I got out of GIT uh, at the age of 20 or something like that, that, um, you know, the, the, the guitar scene kind of crumbled because the 90s right. broke and um, mm -hmm. the grunge and everything. So I ended up doing all kinds of weird gigs in my career and, and I'm playing all different types of music. And I always was really open minded musically. I mean, definitely the core of what I enjoy is is the, the rock and the hard rock, like you mentioned. Sure. Um, but in terms of what I'm willing to play and can play, um, there's a lot that's there. So for me, that was fun to do the share thing because it gave me the opportunity to play music that spanned over five generations and a lot right. of styles or five decades, I should say, not generations. Right. <laughs> um, but there, there's a lot of styles in the, of music in that set that was fun for me to go back and revisit and play. And um, so, hey, anything I get to do where I'm able to better myself as a musician and have the opportunity to um, work um, live in my dream. I mean, I really set out to do this and that, that kind of is my dream more so than the mansion and the Ferraris and all that, sure. you know, it's like, can I just, uh, make a living as a guitarist and be able to do this? And, um, you know, for me, it's great fun. So I just want that to continue. So I just do my best at everything. But I, um, I definitely looked at that as like a, a huge blessing. I didn't look at sure. that kind of like, Oh, this is lame. I'm going to go play that, you know? So, sure. Right. I, I thought it was awesome. Fun. Very good. Well, one last thing, Joe, before I let you go, I, and it's, it's a question that we have beaten around here on my other show, the classic metal show, just because we don't get it. And you obviously are friends with this guy. So as well as now bandmates, Dino, Dino Jalusic, 
amazing, amazing voice. I mean, as good a voice as there is in rock today. And he joins White Snake to be the keyboard player. Now, now that to me is like, wait a minute, this guy, as a as a fan only, it's like, man, is he wasting this God given talent that he has doing this? So, is he gonna do like singing? Is he there to pepper? David's voice a little bit, or is he really just that was the gig that was open and he took the gig and or, you know try try and help me explain that because this guy's an amazing singer. Well, I mean he's an amazing keyboard player too. Um, okay. So having his ability there is um, really great, and he's singing a lot. I mean he's singing a lot of background vocals, and there are um, times here and there where David has him singing a line of a song. Okay. Um, so, you know, I think the ability to get out and tour the world with um, with Whitesnake and have the ability to showcase his singing and, and keyboard playing is a great opportunity for him. He's a he's a fantastic talent, like you mentioned, um, and he's young yet, you know, so mm -hmm. I think he's got a great future ahead of him. I think it's uh, I think it'll be a couple years really well spent for him to do this. Absolutely, man. Well, it, it'll be a couple years for him. It'll be a couple a uh, couple of weeks before we can hear the brand new one from Iconic, the new band. That one is called Second Skin. It is out on June 17th. And Joel, where should we send people to buy the record or keep up with you and tour dates and all that kind of stuff? Um, as far as buying the record, man, I think that the Frontiers site is a good place to start, which okay. uh, without having it up in front of me, I don't know their web, their Front, website. FrontiersSRL.IT, I think. Beautiful. Thank you, man. Thank you for having that ready to go. <laughs> that's a good place to start. Yeah, they got a cool vinyl you can get that's all gold and, sure. um, you know, you can buy the physical product there. And I think it's, you know, as far as streaming, it's on all platforms or you know, if you want to buy them, I'm sure Apple Music and, sure. and Amazon and all that good stuff. So it's out there. Everybody can find it. And uh, and then as far as me, you could just go to my website, I guess, and link over to any of my social media stuff and start following me there. Uh, I need to get some YouTube followers, man. I'm so behind <laughs> on the YouTube thing. I, I like a lot of guys my age, we all kind of built up all the Facebooks and Instagram. Right and all that stuff and then now it's like super important to have followers on youtube and i'm like oh i'm so far behind it <laughs> i haven't been promoting like my YouTube right. channel enough over the years so anyway right. yeah, and now that you, and, and now that you're starting to get to youtube everybody's going to tiktok so <laughs> you know, it never it's stops not, it's always something bad it never stops yeah you can only just kind of you know work and stay productive on a daily basis and, and hope for the best like i said you know exactly it, <laughs> nice. Well, one more time. The album is um, called Second Skin. It is iconic. It is out on June the 17th. And Joel, thanks so much for joining me once again here on Chris Aiken Presents. Dude, thanks for taking the time out to promote it. Appreciate it very much and hope to see you soon, bro. Hey, hey, everybody, it is Chris Aiken, and guess what, folks? I've got a couple of copies of this bad sucker right here. Call Me Chris, my best-selling book to date. 
it is a uh, it's a stellar book, I think. You know, I, if I can be so bold, it is a stellar book. It is about my time recovering from my burn accident. It is my best-reviewed one. It is my best-selling book. And I actually found a few copies that are autographed and ready to go. So if you've been waiting for your book, uh, call me, Chris. You wanted it autographed. Now's the time because I don't have many of them. And once they're gone, they're gone. So... Order it today over at chrisakenbooks.com.